Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. All right, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Uh, Today's episode is going to be enlightening, and we're going to cover a topic that sadly is not getting the amount of awareness and support that is needed. And that topic is one of intimate partner violence and brain health. And today's guest is a real specialist in this area. And I'm I'm humbled to have her with us and to share her with our audience today. Today's guest is a professor at Harvard University and also splits her time within the mass general uh, hospital system as well. Today's guest is very well published and is just a remarkable human who I'm just starting to get to know a little bit. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Eve Valera to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. We got connected through some mutual colleagues. I think we were both presenting at a conference and and that's how I, I came to learn about you and your research and your work. So For our audience, why don't we dive right in? Tell us a little bit about um, what brought you into the work that you're currently doing. So, yes. So it was just sort of me recognizing some things that made sense and then didn't make sense at the same time. I was in graduate school and I was focusing on domestic violence more generally. And I was working, teaching a child abuse prevention program. And we sort of partnered with a domestic violence shelter. And so I would be exposed to some of the women who had experienced partner, you know, women at the shelter. Mm -hmm. And I would recognize that they would experience types of traumas to the head or brain that would certainly seem to potentially cause brain injuries, Mm -hmm. like being smashed in the head with fists or having the head smashed against windows or doors or literally being thrown downstairs or something like that. And I was also coincidentally learning about neuropsychology. So brain behavior relationships Mm. in a neuropsychology, you learn about brain injuries. Right. And then it occurred to me, not only were women having all these potential traumas that could certainly lead to a brain injury, but they reported a lot of the same symptoms that people who have post-concussive symptoms report. Right. So I said, wow, this is what's going on here. What there could you know, what do we know about this? And at the time, I did a lit search. I went to the library. I remember this is when we actually walked our little cells to libraries instead of just went to our computers and got the, everything delivered to us. Right. And there was absolutely, there was nothing I could find anywhere in any lit search, anything that was touching on the intersection of brain injuries and partner violence. And so I basically said, okay, we gotta, we got to find out what's going on here. And then I just basically... Started that work, doing it for my dissertation. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, kudos to you for doing that because clearly it's it's still so under-researched and so clinically needed, uh, the work that you're mm-hmm. doing. And it was really Dr. Paul Van Donkler uh, and Karen Mason who introduced me to this work. And ever since, I've tried to do as much as I can to increase awareness. So tell us a little bit more about, so that that's where the quest began, right? So how's it been going? Overall, it took a while. So I basically 
you know, decided to do this registration. And I was able indeed to interview 99 women with neuropsych measures and questionnaires and, and, you know, basically collecting information about depression, anxiety, PTSD, brain injury, partner violence. And then I was able to establish that a large percentage of the women, now a lot of them were from shelters, but about one third was not from a shelter. And um, a large percentage of them, 75% reported at least one brain injury from a partner. And then what was even more disturbing was that just over half reported repetitive brain injuries from their partners. And as you probably have learned from Paul and Karen, who are absolutely wonderful people, I love them. Yeah. That is that is that for some of these people, it's like, well, maybe there was two or three, mm-hmm. they can count them, but then in some it's just too many to count. Right. They just they had their heads, you know, bashed so many times and they felt sorry, you know, it just it was just repetitive mm-hmm. brain injuries. So that was very disconcerting. And then I was able to show a relationship between the number um, of brain number, recency and severity of brain injuries and um, facets of cognitive and psychological functioning. So it wasn't just, okay, they're staying, sustaining brain injuries, but yeah, and there are negative associations with these brain injuries. So that solidified my thinking that this was definitely something that we needed to continue to pursue, but there wasn't a lab for me to go to. There's right. no, so there was nobody else doing this work. And at this point now, there were a couple of papers that came out around the time that that paper that I published was, which was a little slow in getting out because it was my dissertation that always takes forever, but there were no labs. You know, it wasn't like I could, you know, a lot of people like, oh, I had this interest and then you find a lab. And so I basically focused on the intersection of PTSD and brain injury and selected my practicum based on that Mm. and then ended up getting neuroimaging experience and studying um, adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So I kind of took, it was never a full hiatus because I was always trying to do something in the background. And then I got a little center of excellence grant from Harvard that allowed me to collect some imaging data and this sort of blood, sweat, and tears, some intern help, et cetera, mm-hmm. I was able to publish a couple of those papers. And then that allowed me to, to get more funding. But it's only recently been something, I think, that you know, National Institutes of Health and some of the bigger funders would really consider funding. It just hasn't been popular, let's just say. Why, why do you think that is? Well... Like most science, when we think of partner violence, and certainly for me, I was studying women, mm-hmm. women do not get the same attention that men do. And if you look at brain injuries, mm-hmm. like 95 or maybe 99, I don't know, percent of what we know about brain injuries in general, let alone IPV, is based on males, mm-hmm. mostly healthy males, because mm-hmm. they're either athletes or in the military. There's plenty of female athletes, but we don't have the same attention given to them. And then there's women in that there's far fewer women in, in, in the military, but you know, there are some data, but most is based on relatively healthy males. Mm-hmm. And so it's just not something, you know, females typically get the rind of the deal when it comes to science in general. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it. And then I think also the idea that partner violence should be studies like, well, why? I think there's just, uh, you know, who cares about those women? They should just get out of the relationship. And I, I think people don't understand and they 
blame the women instead of the men who are doing the abusing. And yeah. I, I just think it's an, a, a combination of those types of things that has just basically meant like, you know, who's important? Oh, and, and you know, for the United States, NFL players. We just had our yeah. Super Bowl yesterday. It's the most watched. I was reading, I think it's the most watched, you know, three hours or whatever of, of, of anything. It's like that, like it's more than the World Cup, I think, which wow. I, I could be wrong on that. But I mean, from what I read, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So it's just this is what our culture values mm-hmm. and women who are being beaten by their partners has much less value. Well, I mean, you're we're working to change that, right? I mean, that that's yes. that's the point of this is exactly. to raise that awareness. You know, there's a statistic that our friends Paul and Wendy Karen brought up that was the misrepresentation, right? For every NFL concussion, there are a hundred X of intimate partner violence. And it's even more problematic because there's not focus on it, but because of the impact of the previous injury and the compounding effect of that tracking it is even harder. And then so sadly, it's become normalized inside of that Mm -hmm. population. And that's, that's the worst, you Mm -hmm. know, like that no one cares. So we're just gonna, yeah, we say no, we do. And, you know, we're going to find ways to help this population, because it's so needed. And that's what really brought me to this work was was trying to understand how do we help people that have any sort of a cognitive challenge to have the agency to regain some of the lost cognitive functions rather than surrendering to what is now the new norm uh, yeah. without the agency to do anything about it. So just I, I really you know commend you for the work you do. It's it's awesome. You know, I, I'm fortunate on this platform to learn from some amazing people and many like you have taken that step towards something innovative. And that takes a ton of courage and will to do that. And you're doing it at the highest level. So, you know, I, I admire you for doing that. And, uh, and I thank you on behalf of the many that you've inspired, you know, just talking with Karen, she speaks so highly of you and she's another one, right. That's just, she's on the quest mm-hmm. and she's making it happen. Oh and yeah. She's a with, force. With Paul. To, oh my God. Total force. So in this work, then when you talk about science and you talk about, you know, clearly it's not easy. Uh, to do what you do. What are some of the, the greatest frustrations you have with this work? So, well, I mean, I guess, you know, just feeling like I would be able to get funding was, you know, that was challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, when I apply for another grant to see if it's challenging yet, or if I'll get a warmer reception. But certainly funding is is huge, because without funding, you can't do, you know, this type of work. And we don't have the benefit of of institutions like the NFL or or other people, you know, usually it's there's not other philanthropic support necessarily for this type of work. So funding is a big part um, that we really need. And then it's also not it's not necessarily easy to collect data. I mean, well, I can collect some. I mean, I've been actually very successful in collecting my data ever mm-hmm. since I've sort of been trying to, but it's historically, it's not necessarily that easy. And with the advent of COVID sort of overlapping with when I was starting to collect data to bring people into the imaging center, that was challenging because, well, we couldn't bring people in. So I couldn't do imaging at the time. Right. And uh, so it's still a little bit, um, we're, we're actually getting more women in 
but I feel like there's still like a little bit of something COVID changed things a little bit. People are less likely to come in. They like things virtually now. Uh, but but at any rate, we are we are moving along. But I would say some of the other challenges are just trying to decipher what, and we have been able to do this, so that's good. But but unfortunately, women who experience partner violence also experience a lot of other negative experiences in their, in their life that we want to disentangle from the effects of brain injury as much mm-hmm. as we can. Mm-hmm. And so that's not always easy. We can do it. I mean, we can do it as much as we can, right? I mean, you can never fully disentangle stuff. And, and in some ways, it doesn't totally matter. Right. But trying to understand some of the different effects. So, for example, if a woman now has epilepsy because maybe she sustained too many brain injuries, how do you interpret the data? Because now you have epilepsy contributing to potential negative things going on in the brain, and it's not necessarily just the brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, or I've literally had women who I, I know were either they would join their partner in substances because they were encouraged or forced to, or it was a coping mechanism. And so they might have, you know, histories of alcohol or drug abuse that may be hard to disentangle with with what we're looking at. But for the most part, I mean, we can, but I would say funding and and just general support. Um, But that is growing in the past few years, the the general support, I, I feel like there's just more people doing this work in the area and uh, uh, more of a, a general appreciation by people like you, for example, who say, wow, we realize this is a problem, which is fantastic. More recognition that this is indeed a problem, right? It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, totally invisible as it was when I first started doing this work. And so that's tremendous. And so I actually mm-hmm. appreciate these opportunities to raise awareness because even, you know, women will reach out to me after they've like we did an NPR thing or, mm-hmm. or the New York Times article or something like that. And people say, oh my gosh, you know, you know, either, either researchers who are like, wow, I'm going to, you know, like this one researcher, like, I, I pivoted, I changed my whole course of what I'm going to do now. Wow. Use biomechanics to study, you know, brain injury and IPV instead of what I was doing before, because this is so important. And then women will be like, oh my gosh, you know, I've just been wondering why, like this didn't make sense. Nothing made sense. I've been out of this relationship for so many years. And now hearing about this, I can finally appreciate, you know, what may have happened. And, and then just that knowledge, like, of course, then they said, well, what do I do now? And we can talk about that, but just that knowledge is sort of like a weight lifted. Sometimes they grieve a little bit first and then they're like, mm-hmm. but now I just feel liberated because now I can understand what's going on better or even a daughter of somebody who is experiencing partner violence. And she said, you know what, now I can understand, you know, I I think she had just put her mother to rest. Um, Mm -hmm. Mother died and she said, and now I have peace because I always kind of blamed her for not protecting us more. And like, why didn't she just leave? And she recognized that, yeah, her mother may very well have been sustaining brain injuries from the abusive, you know, partner. And it was that much harder for her to do anything like leave or maybe protect her children in a way that, you know, the children wanted to be protected. And so she says, yeah, now I can kind of find peace and Mm. and forgive her now. And things like that are huge, right? I mean, because Mm -hmm. if you don't recognize this potential for a brain injury, you really can misinterpret the behaviors and the actions of women who are being abused. 
One hundred percent. There's so much there, and it's 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 complex, right? It, just in that those couple of minutes, you can start to have an appreciation for how complex this is, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think leading though with with compassion and education mm-hmm. is so important. Absolutely. And again, the scale of this, yeah. I mean, it's funny you you talk about the the Super Bowl. Everybody wants to talk about that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but here we are in our communities. We have this crisis right in front of us, and sadly, Absolutely. probably happening a lot yesterday. And you know, by learning more about the work that you're doing and others in the similar space are doing, you can be a part of actually changing a life and changing mm-hmm. a family by getting mm-hmm. involved in this research by sharing you know, your message in community, you can be a part of actually changing your community in a really yep. positive way. And that, Absolutely. I mean, that is empowering. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, you can have the agency to actually do something. So what's your encouragement to people that are sitting back there listening and their, their minds kind of opened up to, oh my goodness, this is a massive problem. I hadn't thought of it this way. What's your encouragement to the people out there that might be listening that maybe have a clinical background or just interested in the topic or people who might be really close to this right now with lived Mm -hmm. experience? So I would say, well, first, partner violence is not something that people have labeled on their forehead, right? So there are a lot of people who have experienced partner violence and who may be experiencing it you know, right now, well, we know right now, but that you don't realize it and you may not know it because it's, and it's also something that is stigmatizing. It makes people uncomfortable. Like if I were to experience, like if, if I were hit, I always use this example, if I were hit in the head with a beer bottle last night at a bar or something, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this whack job just hit me in the head with a beer bottle last night. It was horrible. Maybe you'd go to the doctor, you know, the ED or something, depending on what happened. But you know, I'd be like, wow, it's crazy. You know, and I'd probably be telling people, but if it happened in your own home, maybe you don't mm. say anything. Right. You don't necessarily say, oh yeah, my husband hit, clocked me over the head with a beer bottle last night. My partner clocked me over the head with a beer bottle and he punched me. Mm-hmm. People are much less likely to say something like that to anybody. Right. right. So just recognizing that you're not alone if this is happening to you, that this happens all the time, and that you should share with other people to basically get help. You know, it's okay to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end, it's okay for people to ask about this, right? We're always afraid that we're going to offend somebody if we ask them, you know, are you safe? Or, you know, maybe how'd you get that bruise? Or, you know, I don't like the way he treats you. And it's like, well, you know what? You might really help somebody. Maybe he or she really wants you to ask that question, but is afraid to offend you. Mm-hmm. So really opening up the conversation, just not making this so stigmatizing. It should be something that we're not afraid to talk about. Just like I would openly say I was hit in the head with a beer bottle last night by some crazy dude saying, yeah, unfortunately, we got issues in our relationship. It doesn't mean you're throwing them under the bus. It doesn't mean you, it's yeah. you're, you're saying we want to end this, but you say, we got to get help, you know, and uh, I may go to you for support if we can't and whatever, just normalize it. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so so we shouldn't be so afraid to talk about it. I think that in and of itself can be very helpful. 
And for women who are, you know, going back to, you know, if it's happening to you, you know, if you're still too shy or not sure, there's places you can get anonymous help, you know, the the DV hotline. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can just talk to people and and find out what your options are or anything. Um, And so, so because obviously partner violence is bad, regardless of if you're sustaining a brain injury, but when you sustain a brain injury or more on top of it, it may make it harder for you, the person, whoever, to do what is needed to get in a healthier spot because it, right. it, it, it would just make sense. You know, you, maybe you can't think straight. You're, you don't want to get out of bed because now you're depressed or maybe you have PTSD. So you're even more anxious about everything. Mm-hmm. So I think recognizing IPV as a first step and then really if you know somebody who's experiencing partner violence, just entertain the idea that they may have sustained a brain injury because the mm-hmm. likelihood is pretty good. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's an amazing message that people really need to hear. And uh, I'm going to ask for people that are listening to this, download it, share it within your network. You never know who might need to hear this message. And uh, so that's why it's so incredibly important to share it. So that's my uh, kind of encouragement to people that are listening here, because this is a message that sadly is just not being heard at the scale that it needs to be, because the problem continues to grow, but awareness isn't keeping up with that. And that's the gap that we got to try to work towards filling. So for people that are listening here, then, you know, they want to learn more about your research. They want to learn more about your work in general. How do people do that? Where do they go to find uh, some of the work that you're doing? I do have a website. Uh, I don't know if I know it off the top of my head, actually. That's but... okay, because we can just get it loaded. You can send it to me after, and we can All put right. it the show the show notes, and they, people can just click to it. So Even that's, better. That's, yeah. that's, so I have that's a website, fine. and that'll show links to you know certain engagements that I've presented at, and then there's a bibliography there and things like that, so you could find out more Wonderful. that way. Um well, a- any kind of uh, final parting words that you wanted to just uh, share with our audience? Really that I think often many people think I don't know anybody who's experienced partner violence. And I will say, I guarantee you have by the numbers alone. It's pretty unlikely that there's nobody in at least one of your circles who's experienced partner violence, but you just may not know it. Mm-hmm. So I would interact with people in a way that's very accepting of that. Be mindful of everything you say about that. And don't be shy about checking in with people to make sure they're okay. And if someone seems off, it's, it's okay to help. And you can even like one of the things, I mean, COVID is now not as crazy as it was before, but the truth is, is that COVID made things worse for partner violence and for a lot of things. And so you, you could even use that. So yeah, I know COVID has made some relationships more dangerous and people are more stressed out. So there's violence in relationships that wouldn't necessarily have it. Are you okay? I'm just checking in with everybody. Make it as more of a standard matter of course thing. And that's one of the things that, you know, if if we do in, you know, for screening in hospital or, you know, situations just say, you know, I ask everybody this, you know, it's not, you know, judgmental and it doesn't make you a weaker person if you have experienced it. In fact, it makes you stronger if you can talk about it. So I I think just just recognizing that this is not a they problem, it's an us problem. And I guarantee you that you know someone who's experienced partner violence, even if you don't recognize it. Amazing message. Thank you for that. Well, I mean, I feel fortunate to be able to spend a little bit of time with you learning more about your work. I know of you. 
now it's it's great to actually meet you. And who knows, maybe we'll, I think our paths will cross again soon. So thank you again for your curiosity. But underneath that, your determination to serve. It's a real theme that I've found in this work that I love and we need more of. So my encouragement to people that are listening, this is the cause or any sort of brain health uh, initiative is your cause. Reach out to people. We're stronger together. There's remarkable people doing this amazing work. We just got to find ways to work together because we're so much stronger together and we can actually make things happen and get things done. So thank you so, so much. And um, we'll see everybody on the next episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark. My pleasure. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective, and that was to share stories of rehabilitation, of recovery from brain injury, to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members. So thank you again for all of the support with that. If this episode resonated for you and had value for you, we just ask, please download and share it. Please also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the podcast. Those ratings really matter and help us to spread the message. If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the Bears platform, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. Uh, Training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this neuro rehabilitation platform. Thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.